You are now tuned in to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? Welcome to the Herd and Ten Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Fratinsky. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Herd and Ten Podcast. I'm Jake Fratinsky. I am joined by Corbin Bryant. And on this special episode, we have my brother, Kevin Fertinsky, joining us today. We have a bunch of things to talk about. Of course, the Bills just played a terrible team in the Miami Dolphins, but they actually struggled to get going. So it's going to be interesting to see what we all think about the Bills' upcoming matchup against the 1-6 Jacksonville Jaguars. So let's start off with the Dolphins game. The Bills go and win 26 to 11, but the Bills really struggled mightily in the first half. And I know, at least from my perspective, I saw some glaring issues. I want to get each of your takes. We'll start with Corbin and then we'll go around to Kevin and get your takes on what you thought of the game and maybe some holes that the Bills were showing during that game. Well, here we are. We're happy to get the win. You know, I'm sitting back and and I'm thinking like, man, this Halloween in the first half was a trick. In the second half, they gave us a treat. They finally started scoring some touchdowns. That's amazing. I thought the defensive line played, played great. I thought they were getting penetration. But when you look at a glaring hole that we continue to talk about every week, Jake, is the offensive line. The offensive line is consistently being pushed back in Josh Allen's face numerous tip balls that could have been big plays, uh, numerous uh, times where they brought six-man and seven-man pressure and it didn't get, get blocked. But I will say this, on some of those pressures, it is on Josh Allen to make a guy miss and, and make a big play. So, And that's also on Brian Dable as well, to teach Josh Allen that when they are bringing that pressure, you have to check at the line of scrimmage and see where your hot route is. That's um, one of the biggest things that the Bills need to work on moving forward because after teams watch this tape of the Dolphins continuing to blitz Josh Allen's six-man pressure, seven-man pressure fire zones, teams are going to come after him and, and they're going to try to get him on the ground. Josh Allen's a big guy. They're going to try and get him on the ground and see, if, and see if they can fluster him a little bit. But the offensive line has to stop getting pushed back in Josh Allen's face and Josh Allen has to know how to decipher blitzes so he can hit his hot route um, coming out of the, uh, the front side. Absolutely. A huge thing here is the struggles in protection. It's really inconsistent. The team has been really good at protecting him, but it hasn't been all game. You see them maybe one quarter they're okay or a few plays are okay, but constantly they're getting blown up. And sometimes it's from blitzes and sometimes it's just from a four man rush, which obviously makes Josh Allen's job incredibly difficult. It should be noted that it actually came out today that Josh Allen is now leading the way in gambling when it comes to the MVP betting. 
He's got the worst odds or best odds to win, but you're going to make the least money if you bet with him. He just surpassed Kyler Murray, which I think is really interesting. Kev, I want to get your take on the Bills. Obviously, we know there's those offensive struggles. You and I were talking about this during the game when we were watching the other day, and we're seeing some issues with Levi Wallace because he's made some really good plays, but when it's time for him to show up and he's in man-to-man coverage, there is some struggling there. And my question for you is, do the Bills need to go and get a guy now? Because I recently saw Corbin put out a tweet, wanted to hear from some Bills fans, and the Bills fans are responding saying, why are the Bills not doing what the Rams are doing? Why are they not going all out? I feel like there's some veterans out there that the Bills could get now to get a little bit better, particularly in the back end when we're looking at the cornerback position. I mean, certainly we went into the season sort of knowing that our second corner spot maybe was a little less on par with the, West, with the rest of the defense. Um, you have Levi Wallace. He's been on the team for many years. He knows the system. He's decent. I'm not going to say he's not a good player, but he's just not, he's not Trey White. He's not Taron Johnson. He's not Micah Hyde. He's not Jordan Poyer. He just isn't an elite player at his position. He can play zone defense pretty decently, but you're right. He doesn't really hold up in man-to-man coverage and against the high-end talent of some of those teams we might meet, especially if we make it to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to play maybe the Rams, which we know Robert Woods is their second receiver. You might have to play Tampa. They have three or four number one receivers. You're going to need elite play from the cornerback position. I don't know if you're going to get that from Levi Wallace. You probably won't. Is there someone we can get out there, sneak him under the cap, who's going to be you know, a big upgrade? Are they going to swing for the fences like the Rams just did with Vaughn Miller? You know, would we, I, I'm, I'm not sure who's available at the moment. Um, that's, you know, a superstar cornerback, but uh, I don't know. You might want to roll with the defense as it is to me, maybe the running back position is something you want to look at again. Obviously our O-line hasn't performed great but the running back position seems to be a weakness for this Bills team Um, year after year we kind of see the same issues where Josh Allen leads the way in rushing are we ever going to get an elite running back to pair with Josh Allen you know that's the only way I see our offense improve getting over the top in terms of you know putting that danger in the backfield Um, it's Definitely something the Buffalo Bills are missing. We look at a lot of the other top tier teams and they have a very serviceable running back. Now, Zach Moss appears to be serviceable. Now, Singletary is a whole other story. He's obviously struggled, particularly when we look at the Bills offensive line, not being one of the best in run protection. It's very difficult for a guy like Singletary who's not good after contact to actually find success and where a guy like Zach Moss clearly flourishes in that type of situation. I was going to do a hypothetical this episode, 
but I don't think it's relevant. It was going to be about Derrick Henry and do the Bills make some crazy trade where they give them Stefan Diggs for Derrick Henry. But Derrick Henry, and for those listening right now, they're probably really excited because Derrick Henry, although very unfortunate, you never want to see this happen, but he's undergoing foot surgery and there is no timetable for his return. And it's not funny, but it is interesting that Corbin and I were talking about it just the other week that there was only one team that we were terrified of playing. And that was the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs. But without Derrick Henry, I don't think the Titans are a threat at all. So that leads me to my next question. Is there another team that we are very afraid of in the AFC? We talked about this last week. I want to talk about it now because we're a week later and we were talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. Are we worried about them? Because at this point, I'm not concerned anymore. Mike White diced them up. So I don't know. Is there anyone else in the AFC East that we actually need to be concerned about? Corbin? Jake, I'm, Jake, I'm just going to tell you, just like I told you last week, I'm not worried about the Bengals. I'm, I'm not... I'm worried about the New England Patriots. Did you see what they did yesterday? They beat the Los Angeles Chargers on the road. And there were actually a bunch of Chargers fans in the building in the past. We've seen a lot of teams have taken over their stadium. The Chargers fans actually came out to the game and Herbert actually played really well. And that Belichick man-to-man, two-man defense, it pretty much limited limited him and it shut him down. They're playing the Patriots are playing fantastic on defense. And this is something that they have always done in the past. They play fundamentally sound. They do their job as simple as that sounds. Every team doesn't do that. The Patriots, they know their assignments and they do their assignments. And Mac Jones, one thing that he didn't do as a rookie quarterback and that he has not been doing, he has not lost the game. I will bring this up again. They lost to two of the top teams in the league. They lost to the Buccaneers by two. They lost to the Cowboys by six. Listen. The Patriots are a legitimate threat in the AFC East, and they are a team that we are going to definitely have to watch out for going forward. Yeah, so I think also, I, I hate to say it, but the, the past history of the Patriots, that's what sort of scares me. Although I think our defense is going to be able to handle Mac Jones. I, I, I think we still have an edge on the Patriots to me even though we crushed them in the playoffs last year, I think the Baltimore Ravens are our biggest threat in the AFC. I, I don't tend to believe in Lamar Jackson as a quarterback. I think he's a great player, but I feel like we have a way to stop him. But to me, their defense is still a really solid, solid defense that can give Josh Allen fits. So to me, on the balance of match matchups with them. I think our offense against their defense is sort of even. And again, I think our defense against their offense, I think it'll be us against the Ravens, maybe in the AFC championship. And I do think we'll beat them, but I think they're our biggest threat. 
I like that take. I like both of those takes. I mean, obviously the New England Patriots are a scary team. It's it's crazy. We really didn't think they were going to be very good this year, but Belichick has put together a defense that is really stumping some very good quarterbacks. It's going to be interesting to see the way Josh Allen handles it. In my opinion, I think Josh Allen's a better quarterback than Justin Herbert, but he's not dramatically better at this point. And they were able to confuse Herbert and give him enough trouble that they were able to pull out a tight win and they move on to four and four. So they're not trailing that far behind. Of course, even if they don't win the division, they could easily make the wild card, particularly when we look at the AFC and seeing these sort of roller coaster teams where you don't really know what's coming every week. We seem to get some consistency from the Patriots at the very least. You know, I like that you bring up Corbin that most of their losses have not been to bad teams. So when we look at them, they are in every single game, win or lose, they're going to put up a real fight. And that to me is always scary because we saw it in this game. The Bills take on the Miami Dolphins. Now, of course, they eventually would win the game. But in the first half, they let the Dolphins hang around. And you better believe if you let a team like the Patriots, who are significantly better than the Dolphins, hang around late in the game, there's a legitimate chance that you could lose. So you need to, I think the key is really jump on these teams early. And I think that that's something that the Bills have not been particularly good at. The Bills, at least in their history in the last few years, Brian Dayball is very slow at getting things done on the offense. He seems to get a feel out. But the problem is, is it takes a little too long. It doesn't start to click to the third or fourth quarter. And you just can't do that against better teams like, Kev, you mentioned the Baltimore Ravens. And of course, like the New England Patriots. Now, when we look at this win against the Dolphins, there is something that's really interesting. I didn't even notice us missing Dawson Knox. And don't get me wrong, Dawson Knox has looked incredible. But it doesn't seem like it really impacted us one little bit. And that's because of one guy in particular, Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley stepped up when we needed him to step up. And that's sort of been the story for Beasley in pretty much his entire career. Every time the game is on the line, every time you need a big play, he seems to make it. He seems to be a great outlet for Josh Allen. And he's not getting huge numbers, but when his number is called, he is doing what he needs to do. And the interesting thing there is, is that means if Dawson Knox isn't ready for the next few weeks, I'm honestly not concerned if they rest him because we have guys like Cole Beasley. We also have Gabe Davis who stepped up and had a touchdown. I want to get your guys' thoughts on our receiving core and what we saw from both Beasley and Davis in stepping up in some big moments against the Dolphins. Well, Jake, if I could add a a rebuttal here just really really quickly we did miss Dawson Knox and you know where we missed him we missed him in the run game there are a lot of times and I and I and as a former defensive lineman I watched the line of scrimmage and his replacement Sweeney even though he you know he made some some big catches yesterday you know he was kind of getting thrown around in the run game so that is where we are missing him right now even though the Bills are not a run first team. I continue to tell our listeners the Bills are a pass first team. 
you know, we still have to get our yardage in the run game. And that's where Dawson Knox is going to pay huge dividends for us. So we hope he gets a, you know, speedy recovery coming back. But yeah, we're missing them. But as far as our receiving core, obviously Cole Beasley, 10 catches, over 100 yards, just a fantastic game. He's a guy that really needed to step up yesterday because Diggs and uh, Emmanuel Sanders were being covered on the outside by two all-pro guys, one of them being Xavier Howard. So he needed to step up. And that's one of the biggest adjustments that the Bills made. It's like, okay, we're getting covered on the outside by these two all-pro guys. We need you, Cole Beasley, to step up. And he definitely did later in the second quarter in the second half catching all those passes across the middle and those short screens as well but I also like Gabriel Davis he goes out there he runs very crisp routes he can run it outside he can he can play very well in the slot you know he's a guy that you know with more and more reps he's gonna he's gonna be a guy that's gonna garner some some attention in free agency when he gets there so our receiving core as a whole, like, I, I honestly, I give those guys an A-plus. Those guys are catching the ball. I mean, we have one of the top receivers in the league in Stephon Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, a guy that's won Super Bowls. Like, we are primed and, and ready to take this team to the next level with our receiving core. Knock on wood, they all stay healthy because that we're at the point in the season where guys need to stay healthy. But as long as those guys stay healthy, Josh Allen is going to, going to have a, a feeding frenzy out there on the field easily yeah I, I totally agree with Corbin I think our receiving core is awesome and the great part about it is it seems to be every game a different guy steps up um, when Stefan Diggs isn't open Emmanuel Sanders has a big game when when they're covering the outside Cole Beasley has a big game and again I agree I think Dawson Knox though was really missed in the game yesterday I don't think Tommy Sweeney is a starting tight end you can go back to having the trade deadline, you know, it's coming up. And I think I said it on this show earlier in the season, a blocking tight end is something we probably need. And Dawson Knox has improved his blocking a lot, but maybe a, a more veteran blocking tight end as a backup instead of Tommy Sweeney would actually be a huge benefit to this team in the run game, given that we don't have the best running backs in the league. We don't have the best O-line in the league. So they need some more help. Josh Allen needs a run game in the playoffs. We need to improve it just a little bit and to get us over the top. Uh, Lee Smith. No, just kidding. I mean, it's true. I, it's, it's true. The, the Bills, they are tight on the cap. They're going to have to be creative. I do think they're going to make some moves. I don't think anything's going to be significant, but I do think we're going to make some moves. I honestly would not be surprised if the bills are even considering moving a veteran who maybe hasn't performed to the level that they were expecting. That's also possible to shake up some money, open up some space. If they do need to bring anyone in, look, it's not that I don't think Tommy Sweeney's a huge step down from Dawson Knox. I just don't necessarily think that we're at risk of losing games without having Dawson Knox. That's, that's where I think. And of course he makes us better. There's no question. He's gotten a lot better over the last few years. And obviously this year he's taken a massive step forward, but without him, I don't think we're in doubt. That's, that's where I'm at at least transitioning to the game Coming up, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars who 
have not been good. They have been quite terrible. And Trevor Lawrence, who, of course, a lot of us thought was going to be really good this year, has really struggled mightily. And it's not entirely his fault. There isn't a particularly good team around him. But I want to get your guys' keys for the game. Let's start with Kevin here. I want to start with what do the Bills need to do to win this game? And then we're going to go to Corbin and let him take down what the Bills need to not do to lose the game. I think we just got to do what we do well. We got to play our game on defense. Um, I don't think it's too difficult of a game. Again, you can lose any game of the season. Like we saw last week, we had a lousy first half. It was a close game until we sort of pulled away at the end. I think we got to focus on not playing down to our competition. Just play our game. Allen's got a ball out. Abandon the run if you need to. Um, especially I know Feliciano looks like he's going to be out this week. I don't know if Spencer Brown will be back. You're down to sort of, you know, your sixth and seventh guys on the line. Throw the ball. Dable, let, uh, let Allen throw. And as far as what the Bills do not need to do, don't do what you did yesterday. Okay, don't, don't do what you did against the Dolphins. And just to be more specific, the offensive line, number one, they need to firm it up. Josh Allen doesn't drop back, doesn't drop back very much when he's in the when he's uh, in the shotgun. And they know this. So they need to firm up at the line of scrimmage. Don't get pushed back in his face so we can make some easy completions. Number two, the Bills need to work on their third down play calling. I really was not a fan of what the Bills did on third down yesterday. Number one, they ran a quarterback lead on third and nine, which was, I mean, I don't, I don't know where that play call came from. They ran a, uh, they ran a, a, a lead in the first half on third and six. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, we need to run a play where we can get a first down. And obviously I understand the play calling. You need to try to catch guys off guard, but not at that moment, not at that moment where you cross to the 50, like you still have some space to work with. You're not in the red zone where things are condensed. You can still throw the ball down the field a little bit. So we need to work on our play calling. And number, and number three, we need to make sure our special teams are on point. We need to not turn the ball over on special teams. Granted, we didn't. We almost did it yesterday. We almost did it yesterday when Isaiah McKenzie dropped in. It was almost a safety. I know we were all like, oh, like, oh my God. I thought we, we all thought it was a safety. But we have to make sure we're doing our thing on special teams, not getting turnovers and not getting costly penalties that back us up. I think if we do those things, this game – should be a should be an easy one for them, along with scoring touchdowns in the red zone. That's still an Achilles heel for us. You know, we're 26 in the league and, and scoring touchdowns in the red zone. That's a concern. You know, so if, if, if there was ever a week to turn that around and score some touchdowns in the red zone, this is a week against a very, very bad Jacksonville Jaguars team. And it's also shocking because when you look at the way the Bills are built, when you look at Josh Allen, you look at the receivers, you would expect us to be a top-tier team in the red zone, but I think it really comes down to play calling. I think the play calling has been a little shoddy at times. 
Obviously, Corbin, you're talking about a couple plays where they were in third down territory, third and long, and they're choosing to try to run with Josh Allen versus just letting the guy throw. I mean, I just said how he's leading the MVP race and you're restricting his ability to throw the ball. It just doesn't make sense. And Kevin also alluded to this earlier. Just let him ball out. You know, you're, you're also playing teams that are not the highest caliber. So if you're trying to get Josh Allen prepared as the season rolls on and you want him getting more and more comfortable, the way you do that is you let him throw the ball. Let him make those mistakes now so they don't happen down the road. So if he needs to throw 50 times now, I would rather that happen so that if in a dire situation he has to do that in the playoffs, He's done it before. He's been in that situation before. So I wouldn't be handcuffing him now. You got to let him loose, unleash him. And going against the Jaguars is, to me, the perfect time to do it. I thought they were going to do it against the Dolphins. They didn't. And I'm hoping they're going to do it against the Jaguars. We're going to end on this note, but we're going to have one thing here. We're just going to do one little roundtable. Each of us are going to give our ball to the player of the game. I'll start with mine. We'll go to Corbin. We'll end with Kevin, and that will end our episode this week. So the ball of the game, I'm going to give to Ed Oliver. He's a guy that's been doing it quietly. I don't think he's been doing it in a crazy way. He's not putting up huge numbers, but he seems to be everywhere where he needs to be. Now, I'm a little tired of his celebrations after every play he makes, but I got to admit, he's really taken a huge step, a step that we weren't expecting him to necessarily take from last season. And he's looked amazing. And I feel like I maybe stole Corbin's guy at defensive tackle, but boy, oh boy, I've just been blown away with what Ed Oliver has done, particularly against the Dolphins. So for me, since you stole mine, Jake, oh, I, I just have to, I have to go, I have to go with Cole Beasley because without him making those catches, because he could have easily dropped them. You know, he could have easily ran out there, you know, it was, you know, it was a cold day, hands cold, dropped the passes, but Cole Beasley went out there and he played the game of his life. And he's a, he's a wily vet, you know, 10 years of the league, been played, played solid years for, for, for a number of teams the guy went out there and he got the job done without him yesterday. I don't know where, where, we, where, we, where we would have been. Honestly, he's out there. He's running his routes very crisp. He's running the option routes very nice. He's in his outs. He's wide open across the middle and Josh Allen is finding him. So he's a guy that definitely stepped up in my opinion. And I hope that continues to happen because it, as Diggs and Sanders continue to play well, he's going to be open and Oh, and, and wait, Dawson Knox is going to come back. He's going to be open as well. Those like Beasley along with, with Knox are going to be our X factors this game coming up and for the remainder of the season. What, what, what do you think, Kevin? Who was your player of the game? I was going to go with Cole Beasley, but now I'll go with an unsung hero. To me, Jordan Poyer, he had a great game. He had an interception. The guy is constantly overlooked. I don't, he's never made a Pro Bowl, and the guy is fantastic. All he does is lead our team in tackles most games. He creates turnovers. He does everything. He seems to be everywhere, him and Milano. But anyways, Jordan Poyer was my player of the game. And we're not the same team without him. 
I like that. I like that. Yeah. Jordan Poyer, you know, he's an interesting one because he also has made some massive tackles, big hits. He's generally speaking, quite a sure tackler too. So I, I like that. But when we look at the bills going against the Jacksonville Jaguars, we should have the W this week. It really shouldn't be a concern for anyone listening. If you're going to put your money on a game where the bills should win, this is definitely that one, but we've seen crazier things happen. So be prepared, still tune in for the game because it could be an interesting one. You never know for sure. You are playing a rookie quarterback who, yes, Trevor Lawrence hasn't looked good, but he has gotten better as the seasons progress. Now, I'm not saying he's going to go lights out on the Buffalo Bills defense, but there's no question there could be some surprises in this game. I would also expect Jacksonville to try to throw everything, including the kitchen sink at the Buffalo Bills. I think they could be doing some trick plays. I would expect fake punts everything and anything to get another W in their W win column. Now the bills of course need to keep winning because they have the new England Patriots right behind them. So I want to thank everyone for listening as usual. Please check out Corbin on Twitter. He's always posting. He's looking for your comments So keep commenting there. We love getting your thoughts. If you want to check me out as well, you can do that. Check out our social channels My brother does not have social channels, but I'm sure he'll be on again with his takes. So thanks again. Thanks, Kev, for joining. Thank you, Corbin, and go Bills. Go Bills. This one time in Russia, I had boots with the fur and apple bottom jeans before it was a thing. This one time in Russia, my baba got mad at me for going out with wet hair. This one time in Russia, I had to put on all the clothes in my suitcase because it was so cold. And I should have listened to her because that same baba gave me a shot of vodka and a whole slice of lemon rind and all to cure my cold. Well, if you're interested in these stories and more, come check us out at the Russian Sisters podcast. The Russian Sisters, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and at therussiansisters.com. Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 Podcast, a show about the Vancouver Canucks, but not just about the Canucks. Join myself and Ted Wong every single week for a seriously unserious chat about hockey, questionable food takes, we sprinkle in some dad jokes, and keep you updated on shows that ended well over 10 years ago, like Breaking Bad. Seriously, Ted, when are you going to be done watching that? We bring in guests on the regular, like former NHLers, head coaches, and even that guy that pulled off the Michigan. Yep, Mike Lake. Check out our cool swag on our Instagram and Twitter feeds. And if you're lucky, we might just give away the odd prize or two. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, and on deanblundell.com slash podcast. And hopefully, your headphones. It'll be the second best thing you do today. You know, after that cup of coffee.